You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Okay. Hello and welcome to Matt Meets the Music Industry. Here I am today with my good friend and esteemed associate, Anthony Blaney of Your Mate Bookings. How are you, Anthony? Good, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on, and um, I hope you are well as well. Um, so you, let's talk first a little bit about what you do. You know, you're, can you, can you break down what your mate does? What, what's, what you've got going on down under? Yeah, for sure. We, uh, we do a few things. Um, basically management of bands, booking of bands, uh, and promoting slash touring of bands. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a combination of international and local. So we, we book or manage international and local bands and we, uh, tour, um, and promote international and local bands as well. Um, so that's, you know, that's basically what we do, um, in terms of the genres, you know, we sort of go in and out of a lot of different genres in the, in the heavy scene. Um, but, uh, in a nutshell, that's basically what we do. How did this start? What's the comic book? I don't think this is like you and I have like hung out quite a bit and have speak on the phone fairly regularly, sure. but I'm still not actually sure how you got initially involved. Yeah. Okay. It's a funny, it's a funny history, but basically, um, uh, being in and out of bands for years. Um, well, sorry, let's, let's start from the beginning. So basically I was in a, I was you were in a born. hip hop band. Yeah, in 1985. Um, so I was in a hip hop band. Um, wow, it would have been like, so I'm like 36 now. It would have been like 2021. 20, so let's just say, you know, 15 or so years ago, in a hip hop band. And um, I, I joined this band and I decided to, you know, basically find us gigs. And it just grew from there. So I was, I was booking all our shows for my hip hop band. And, um, and, you know, from there, I just got more and more involved in, you know, the artwork side, uh, the venue side, and um, eventually, obviously, ended up quitting that band um, a very long time ago as well. And um, I got into more of the management and booking of other bands that I wasn't in. So having first an experience in my own band helped me, obviously, use that knowledge and, and bring it to other bands in, in terms of what they should and shouldn't do. And, you know, cause I've sort of, um, I've, I've been the guinea pig in my own, you know, experiment basically. Yeah. So that's sort of where it all started. And, um, you know, what's happened along the way is, you know, it's, it's been, it's been huge, like to the point that I'm now booking or managing um up to 16 bands um you know sort of a lot is domestic or you know australia new zealand and then i've got a few sort of bands around around the world that i sort of work with um and that's you know basically on an exclusivity level in terms of bookings uh for australia new zealand yeah and that's been up until the pandemic that's been pretty successful yeah definitely i mean that <laughs> The touring was very successful up and up until 
you know, uh, February, March, 2020. Um, however, the booking agency has grown like massively since then because I've had the time to focus on domestic acts, um, which has been a really good learning curve for me because I've had to be, you know, sort of the guy that guides every single step of the way for some of these bands in terms of, you know, um, how mm. to promote a release, how to uh, promote a tour, um, uh, what the scheduling is going to look like how the marketing is going to sit, um, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, becoming more involved with these bands is sort of, um, you know, sort of somewhat, uh, I suppose I've had, I've got so much, uh, I'm so so indebted or so involved in the tour that it's like, well, this is my tour and, and this is my <laughs> bread and butter right now. So it's my best interest to put every single bit of effort I've got into uh, making it a success um, and a lot of them have been and I've been able to keep my head above water which is absolutely incredible um, you know not trying to toot my own horn but <laughs> I couldn't have done that before you know uh, and I didn't have the time to do it so it's good that I've been able to um, you know basically put my put my sweat and blood into um, you know the local scene yeah Absolutely. So, you know, you're talking about the touring being successful pre-COVID. What do you think made these tours so successful? What um, makes the tour work? Okay. Well, um, preparation um, of of every single, basically, everything that makes a tour happen, including accommodation, flights. Um, you know, visas, marketing. Um, look, I'm just going to talk about this generally, and this could be domestic and international, but, you know, all those items um, along with, you know, gear for the bands to use, um, you know, set times, um, the right bands playing. So basically we're impressing the crowd. We're not just chucking some bands on because they're available. You need to make sure that the, you know, the crowd's going to be happy with the actual whole event. Um, so all, all that in preparation for go time, you know, go time, show time where, okay, have all those things been addressed? Have they all been locked in? Because now's the day we go on tour and now's the day that um, we're hoping for those last, you know, handful of tickets that are going to sell on the door to get us over the line. So it is going to be a success or it is going to at least break even, that sort of stuff. Um you know, then you've got the obvious, um, you know, uh, things that sort of get lift out sometimes by bands just for, you know, lack of whatever. But merch, you know, merch is so damn important. And, you know, if bands are taking the time to basically um, put together the right artwork and even market that pre-tour, um, you know, they can have a pretty successful tour that actually, you know, sort of, uh, either breaks even or at least profits so then they can use that money to record and do whatever else they have to do after the tour um, does that answer that question it does well enough? it does what yeah. so, so during the pandemic you had a post that went pretty viral basically talking about breaking down the profits on a show yeah and why you were raising ticket prices to not even 
And I forget what you were raising ticket prices too, but especially considering the Australian dollar was pretty reasonable, I thought. Can you talk about For that sure. and why you're raising ticket prices? Yep. So what did you want to know about that? Sorry. Or just, or just like break it down because there was a really good breakdown you did there. Can you explain oh, why ticket prices need to be raised? Man, I'm not a banker anymore. I don't remember these things. <laughs> no, nah, so basically... Um, you know, I, I think just for, for years and years, and I'm talking like 10 years plus, it, it's it's just been a sort of, uh, would you use the word staple? I don't know, just like a, like people just expect, oh, I'm just going to pay $10 for a show. And, you know, whether that show sells 100 tickets, whether it sells 20 tickets, whether it sells, it sells 150 tickets, 10 bucks is just, it's not enough for, for an event to be sustainable. And if you consider, you know, all the factors all the time, all the money that goes into that band actually playing that show, and that's just not just the band, it's the marketing, it's the, it's the sound guy, it's the, the venue hire. Um, there, there are so many um, costs that go into actually running the show. At the end of the day, <clears throat> no band should be walking, walking away with, say, you know, a hundred bucks from like, uh, you know, where you fill a room of a hundred to 150 payers. Like, it's just like, what the hell? Like what's a hundred bucks going to do for that band? Like, what are they playing for? Um, so, I mean, the, the breakdown of, uh, you know, individual costs, I'm not going to get into the actual dollar amounts, but you've, as I've highlighted before, you know, uh, soundy marketing, um, postering, PR, um, uh, the bands themselves, you know, what they should be paid for their time on there, for, for their time playing, whether it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Then you've got their, um, you know, the, the obvious um, cost that they, uh, you know, sort of pay every week, including rehearsals. Um, then you've got the poster. Who's going to make the poster? So it's eye-catching enough so people want to come to the show. You've got to pay an artist to do that. You've got to pay for the printing of that. Um you know, and, and, you know, there's still so many other little bits and pieces, including, you know, accommodation, um, petrol, all that sort of stuff. It's just like 10 bucks was just not enough. Like, it's just, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to help um, the scene sustain. Um, yeah. You know, it's not even, <laughs> it's not going to grow at that, you know, level. Because <laughs> bands aren't being paid their worth, which means they're not going to put the sort of, um, you know, the energy back into it with you yeah. know, what they deserve. Um, I did do two posts, actually. Funnily enough, I did one at the start of the pandemic and I did one about uh, earlier this year that went viral as well. And, um, you know, there were really, there was, you know, out of, for example, say 500, 600 likes on these posts, one of the posts got to a thousand likes. There was only like, you know, maybe one or two negative comments among like, hundreds of positive comments saying definitely put those prices up it's really important that bands get paid it's just you know enough's enough and you know when when i'm putting um hours and hours of marketing work into my shows um uh, uh, you know along with all the admin work that goes with it um it's just like bands need to be paid and if promoters are professional enough then they need to be paid properly as well you know so um I suppose that says it all. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, it, and it's interesting to see it 
it's interesting to see the the popular opinion slowly start to shift and start to be okay yeah. with that. Yeah, man. No. Like you know, we, we I did a show earlier <clears throat> earlier this year in Melbourne, and the headlining band, like they walked away with. They're a local band. They're not huge, but they walked away with like you know thirteen hundred dollars from one show, and it That's wasn't awesome. even a launch. Like, That's like two hundred American huge. dollars. What's that? It's like two hundred American dollars. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually That's probably huge. more like eight hundred for eight nine hundred yeah. for. I'm just letting American listeners know. So yeah, but like for example, in their head. That, that's a good. That's that's a good no, that's, that's uh, amount sick. of money to that's, walk away. That's with. fucking sick. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so so you would say even at the box office, the raised ticket prices are not. Uh, you know, at the at, at the ticket gate, raising the prices has not negatively impacted you. No, definitely not. If not, if anything, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, the lack of international um, uh, talent coming over here um, is is you know zilch. Um, so you know that that's helped sell the tickets because people have nothing sure. else to do. <laughs> but it definitely hasn't negatively impacted uh, bands or myself. Um, and <laughs> if anything, that you know, um, people people uh, know what they're getting and they're willing to, you know, fork out the cash to, um, to pay for something of value. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that's important. You know, I think in America we had a similar issue and it really happened a few years ago that it really started to shift where it's not shifted everywhere, but like we went from a $5 show to a $10 show. And that wow. was like thing. Right. And it's like now that we have ten dollar shows, like suddenly shit's a lot easier. You know, because the five dollar shows have been a staple since like the fifties. Oh man. You know? That's insane. <laughs> but yeah, like up until like not that long ago, if I booked a show for over five dollars in Philadelphia, like at like a, a punk spot, people would be mad. Wow. But you know, I think those, I think those things are shifting, and I think we're we're gradually getting people to be like, oh shit, you know, fourteen dollars for a show, like, okay, like it, it seems worth it. You well, know, I, I think, think it's you know, obviously there's going to be bands that still you know undervalue themselves, whether they're yeah good bands or bad bands, I don't know, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I like to think that when I do a show, it's like, well, yeah, you, you're going to get a quality band. They're well rehearsed. Yeah. Their music is, um, uh, I suppose, uh, original enough, and it's you know it's avant-garde enough. For example, in some situations, for, yeah. for you know for you to pay this, they don't play all the time. They don't play every week. It you know for free um, or you know for a few beers. Yeah. It's just like that. You know, <laughs> they put a lot of time and effort into their craft. So how much? How much? do you want like like what kind of radius are you looking for on a band who you're putting on a lineup like in terms of time ah uh, yeah so generally it's about i suppose 40 40 to 50k radius maximum um but then it, you know then again there's there's bands that you know for example start in sydney then they'll they'll move like regional but they'll have that mm -hmm. fan base in sydney so 
that's okay. You know, you can sort of um, make an exception there. But um, yeah, it's generally, you know, it, if I'm putting together a lineup, you know, what I like to do is have like one special, um, maybe an interstate band or regional band, and then mm-hmm. the rest of the lineup would be local. Sure. Um, that, that local crowd or that local sort of catchment is, is really important I agree. Um, for events. It's so important. And like, you know, um, dare I say this, you know, sometimes I've brought international bands over and um, <laughs> you've had to get local bands in certain regions and it's just like, well, yeah, that's the quality you're going to get, but you have to go with the local bands because you need that local catchment. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't say too much there, as you might have noticed. <laughs> No, absolutely, but that's part of the, you know, like, and that's sort of the final thing I want to talk about to you about is like you have to take a bigger risk than basically any other agent when you're bringing a band to Australia. Yeah. Right. Like, what, you know, at what point are you willing to take that to roll those dice and be like, okay, it's worth bringing this band over. Look, I suppose, you know, after my first few international tours, I sort of, I I gauged the the minimum cost of running a tour um, to either break even or make at least enough money to get me through that month. Um, So I I sort of, if, if I'm at least, if I'm at least breaking even to the point of, you know, paying for food on the table for the next month, um, I know that it, if I if I love the band enough and the sort of the the profit margin is is that low, I'll sort of run the tour. Um, however, um, you know, with my experience over time, um, it, it's helped me realise you know <laughs> you, you might you do things for the love and you do things because you know you need to get by. Um, but you still have some love, you know, inside that, inside that tour or whatever. Um, but you're asking sort of what I'm trying to understand exactly what you're like, asking. Like, like, <laughs> like what makes, what makes you think a band is ready to be brought to Australia? Yeah. I, look, I've got my own little techniques um, or little strategies that I use to figure out whether the shows are, are going to be viable here. So I sort of do a bit of um, I do a bit of digging around in terms of you know word of mouth and asking people, oh, do you know this band? What do you reckon? All that sort of stuff. Then I sort of I chuck some stuff online as well, sort of yeah. uh, and tease tease the the idea of the band coming out here, and that helps me understand um, what sort of offer I'm going to throw throw at the band um, and how viable um, the tour is going to be in regards to whatever offer I'm throwing. So, um, you know, for, for obviously for bigger bands, it's going to be like, okay, well, this is what we're offering you because this is what uh, you're definitely worth. Whereas bands that are very unknown here, you know, you're sort of going to have to, you know, somewhat sort yourself out, but I'll run your tour for you and I will, I will help you grow your name out here to the point that, you know, tours are very viable for you here in the future. Mm-hmm. hope That's that helps. A- that's a weird balance to have to strike, but it's hard. Yeah, look, that's the thing of, you know, you've, you've got to be in the know and you need to be, you know, you've got to have your ear on the ground and you need to be in the scene, knowing what's going on, what people listen to, 
um, you know, who's going out um, and what venues are they going to, to, to figure out exactly, you know, uh, whether the band's going to work in Australia and New Zealand or not. Um, you know, like some of the tours we've done, for example, like we'll do Australia and New Zealand and New Zealand's basically just, just broken even, but, you know, the band's really happy because, you know, they've gotten to another country and they've, you know, they're sort of, um, you know, they're, yeah. uh, they're, they're catching, catching another fan base over there. However, like we've done it for the love, basically. It's like, we're, we're helping you over there. Like we're bringing you all the way. We're going to go over there and we're going to help you at least, you know, grow your fan base there. Yeah, which is awesome. And that level of passion isn't something we, we see that often at your level. So it's good. Yeah, definitely, man. Appreciate it. Do you have, as we head towards the end, any like final points or like big projects you're working on you want to talk about? Oh, I'm more than happy to talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm So just before the pandemic hit, um, I'd sort of hooked up with, um, with Matt Skit Sanders again. Um, I'm sure you're aware of Matt Skit Sanders from Damaged, King Parrot, Statistic Execution. Um, he's worked with Steve O'Malley, a lot of bands. Anyway, I hooked up with Matt again and I started managing Matt. Um, so he's very, he's been highly involved in the extreme metal um, scene of Australia and the world, I suppose. But um, since then, I've, I've been digging deeper and deeper into the metal scene again. Cause that's where I sort of, that's where I came from. Like that's where I first fell in love with music, heavy metal. So I'm working with a lot of, um, at the moment, I'm just, I'm reaching out to a lot of sort of death metal um, and other extreme metal bands because I just, <laughs> it's where my head's at at the moment. And I, you know, I, I, I speak the language, I know the sound and I know what, you know, these bands want. And, um, and you know, I, I, I know the fan base well enough out here. So I'm working with, um, Sorry to give you all that backstory, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working with um, a few bands to bring out here. Um, one is Skeletal Remains. Uh, another is uh, Jungle Rot. Um, and another from um, uh, your, your country as well, <laughs> um, Capra. So Metallic Hardcore Band Capra. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm really happy to be um, even venturing into that hardcore scene because I, I I hadn't done any hardcore stuff for a long time. Like I used to go to hardcore shows a lot, but anyway, since managing Nicholas Cage Fighter, um, who's now signed to Blacklight Media and Metal Blade, yeah, that, that's um, I was a great band. To... Someone whoever whoever like signed that is a really smart guy. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. They, they made the right decision there. Uh, but yeah, through um, through hooking up with uh, metal blade and blacklight media. Um, I was, I was really, I heard this Capra band and um, you know, like this, this new album's absolutely killer. Um, so I'm going to be bringing them out here um, and helping them grow their fan base and, you know, doing the, doing the, the double tour with um, Nicholas Cage fighter, but there's some of the projects I'm working on. There's a heap of psychedelic rock stuff. Um, that's, that's, in the pipeline that's been in the pipeline for a long time but um that's the stuff that i'm really excited about for now because i'm just in this massive death metal binge that i just cannot seem to get off which is a good thing anyway so whatever <laughs> there you go thank you so much for coming on anthony thank you for having me on 
And um, I look forward to seeing you when I can see you. I do too. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.